Welcome, fellow traveler. You are now listening to the Tent Theology Podcast. Each week, we have a tent talk where we pursue the renewing of the Christian social and political imagination. Welcome, friends, to another episode of our Tent Talks, our Tent Theology Podcast, where we're going to try and bring in some other voices. We've been enjoying, uh, I've been enjoying very much getting to know Sean and Chris, who are my token Americans who I'm bouncing ideas off of as I go through a new Christian imagination when it comes to politics and social and national identity. And I've been talking a lot about nationalism and patriotism and and obviously America shows up, but I am not American. I am British. I am Canadian. And so I found that I needed to talk to Americans because they're right at the epicenter of where nationalism and Christianity seem to be mixing. But... Sometimes just talking to Sean and Chris, as much as I like them, is not enough. We need more voices in here. We need to open up the table to more people. And I was listening to, well, here's full disclosure. This guy is a great friend of mine. I like him a lot. I learned a lot from him, and this is going to come out later. But just being a friend of mine isn't what gets you onto my podcast. What gets you onto my podcast is if you start to come out with a brilliant, heartfelt, beautifully produced series on what it's like to be a charismatic who's living in America and trying to work out issues of justice, worship, race, politics, patriotism. If you can do that, then you've got my interest. So this is why I brought in my friend Galibe Omanaka. Galibe works for Bethel Church in Northern California, and I first got to know him when he was my pastor. You've heard in previous episodes how I also spent a year of my life in the Bethel Church environment, which I actually loved. And uh, my wife was a student there, and she loved it too. And, And so it's been a force for good in my life. But if you listen to my podcast, you'll also know that I don't always approve of everything that comes out of that place. And uh, Galibe works for that place. And he talks about it in his podcast, which I'll get him to talk about in a bit. And I thought, this is the guy that I really want to have to talk with. Um, Galibe, when I met you, you were my pastor. And I learned uh, more from you in five minutes. I've said this before. I learned more from you in five minutes of watching you lead the group than I had learned and taught in my 10 years of teaching a Christians in Leadership course at university. So just Thank so you, you know, <laughs> so kind. So just kind so you know, so, so yeah, your voice is a voice I really want to have here. So Glebe, please, can you tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, and uh, what brought you to the states? Yeah, so my name is Glebe, as Stephen already said. I am from England, born and raised in England to Nigerian parents, and I've been living in California for almost nine years now. I initially came out to do one year of the ministry school. That was my deal with God. And nine years later, I have uh, a wife, two children, a dog, and a house. And <laughs> I've been actively, and I've been actively involved at Bethel Church the whole time, pretty much. And so you were a pastor in the environment, but you've also held other jobs. I mean, you, you. Yeah. So I did all three years of the school of ministry, and right. um, I had a couple of year break when I was still involved, but I was working at other jobs in town 
And then I worked in the school of ministry as a pastor for three years. And then I had a brief stint at Bethel Music, and now I work at Bethel School of Technology. Brilliant. You've recently launched a podcast, which is what caught my attention. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the podcast is called Of Saints and Sorrow. And it's basically my attempt to process life as we are experiencing it in real time as much as possible. You know, it's the it's the 2nd of July right now. So we are just about halfway through the craziest year of my entire life. And mm-hmm. there are all everything that is an issue in some way, shape or form is being brought to the surface. Um, mm. As much as some people would have told you that race and racism isn't a problem, you know, that is coming to the surface. We're in the midst of a global pandemic where people are, some people are saying that Bill Gates is trying to kill us all. Some people are saying it's a hoax. Some right. people are saying you must listen to every single word the government tells you to do. And that's, you know, those are just two things. It's all coming to the surface. I'm in the midst of it trying. It, it feels like I'm in a multifaceted whirlwind. You know, yeah. imagine imagine a whirlwind with tentacles like an octopus. That feels like what I'm in the middle of. And I'm, I'm seeing all these different responses, all these different reactions going on around me. And I'm trying to figure out how to navigate my way through the melee with a Christ-centered, worldview that doesn't get me sucked into tribalism in any way shape or form which is what shapes so much of the discussion that we see around us the loudest voices often on social media is just thinly veiled tribalism that is often half half baked in its thought processes yeah and so then the of saints and sorrows is the is your attempt to speak good words into that many tentacled tornado <laughs> exactly so there's the you know i wanted i wanted it to be a podcast that was really centered on faith so of saints, but then there's also the difficulty of the pain, the sorrow. So it's of saints and sorrow. That's uh, that's how the name came about. Now, your wife is American. Mm-hmm. You are British. And it is the 2nd of July. What are you going to do in two days time? What does that feel like for you to be in Northern California during the uh, the height of patriotic brouhaha? Yeah. So, I mean, for, for our family, we the biggest thing is that we get to have a day to get a day off together to enjoy each other have a barbecue eat too much food you know i might i might even crack out red white and blue tank top and to you know but that that's about it my wife's never been one of those people to be like yeah we kicked your butt back in 1776 or anything like that so she she enjoys the celebration but in real terms she's not someone who it's not like her chest swells up three times it's not like she stands you know 10 feet taller it's a celebration. We, you know, we're, we're happy to be together. We're happy to be alive. Let's have some hot dogs. What about you? Do you feel, do you feel patriotic to any nation? You, you talk about Nigerian parents, British born, America citizenship or green card. So I like, I like what Brian Zahn talks about. I think, I think he either calls it a benign patriotism or a benign affinity. And okay. I'd say that's, that's what I have. You know, if I see like a, a TikTok video of someone someone shining a light on some aspects of Nigerian culture that I've experienced. Will I laugh and will it warm my heart? Yes. You know, do I really, do I think that rugby union is an objectively better sport than NFL? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And was I, you know, was I rooting for England in the rugby world cup? Absolutely. Do I enjoy living in California with, with the sunshine and all that stuff? Yes, I do. But, but my affinity is benign. You know, if someone said to me that on behalf of the culture that you grew up in, you have to 
take up arms against your brother and sister and kill them because that's what the nation needs. I would say, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, do I, do I miss certain aspects of British culture? Absolutely. But that's, you know, but it's what, it's what I grew up in. It's, it's what I'm familiar with. It, it feels, it feels safe. It feels comfortable, but that's, that. it, it would never, ever, my affinity will never out muscle my, my desire to be a good neighbor. Right. So what happens in, I don't know, in your environment where, you know, they, I, I know sometimes every once in a while they'll like to uh, pledge allegiance to the flag, for example. Do you, would your, are you going to bring your children up to do that? Or would you do that yourself? No, I, I wouldn't do that. I've, this is, this is one of the things that I do find strangest about living in the States is the, I'll tell you what. So when I was in first year, yeah. And they have they have a staff first year at the ministry school. Yeah, when I was in first yeah. year, so this was this was almost nine years ago, and about halfway through the year, they have a staffy student basketball game, and it was in the gym of a of a small local college, a private Christian college. I didn't grow up watching basketball. I knew who Michael Jordan was. I loved Space Jam. You know, that's about it. But I went to the I went to the basketball game, and as much as I didn't know anything about basketball. I was confident that I wasn't about to see the highest quality game of basketball right. that the world has ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought it was fun. And as we say in the UK, a bit of a muck around. And so it was so strange to me when in the, in this private Christian college, in this staffy student game, in a non-accredited ministry school, we stand up, we, everyone turns towards the flag and puts their hand right. on their heart to sing the national right. anthem. Yeah. You know, bearing in mind that before that, the last live sporting event I'd been to was watching Manchester United play at Old Trafford with, you know, around about 70,000 other people. And yeah. not once did someone, not once did the thought of singing the national anthem cross our minds. And right, that, right. that juxtaposition was was blaring in my mind. Like, what the heck? Why? Why are we singing yeah. it right now? It, this totally, un, you know, the game, the, that game is fun, but it is totally unimportant. But still, we had to stop and honor the flag. And that that was my intro to it. And speaking specifically to the Pledge of Allegiance, it's something that I personally feel really uncomfortable with. Because when you break it down and you think about it, the way it happens in schools, what would happen would be that my children, if they're in school every day before lessons begin, they would stand, they would turn towards the flag, put their hands over their heart and make mm. a promise to that flag. Yeah. You know, and as, as a believer... I wouldn't even make my children, I wouldn't, if, if we had a Bible, if we had, you know, I wouldn't, yeah. if we had a, 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 some form of altar in our house, I wouldn't say, kids, before you get Cheerios, let's turn and pledge our, our undying devotion to Christ right to now. To the Gospel of Matthew, yeah. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so that for me is, is, is really strange. And I, dare I say, it, I think it's actually unhealthy, especially if you try and mix that with devotion to Christ, fidelity to Christ. I think that the, the two can't coexist. I find it odd, like, you know, you and I are both in what we'd call the sort of charismatic stream, you know, and in those kind of environments, there's a lot of talk about you know, soul ties or, or t being binding yourself to principalities and things. And the, the same sort of people that will be very keen to go to a, an inner healing prayer, you know, session to, to redeem themselves of their grandparents' you know, affiliation with the Masons or something, you know, the Freemasons or something like that, they will then completely bind themselves and tie themselves as little children every day. They'll pledge an oath to a country and a flag and they'll use the name of God to do it. And and it's sort of really odd to me. I don't know. Have, have, I never broached that. So I never was brave enough. Have you ever braved 
that subject with some of your charismatic friends about binding yourself to a, a principality? It, it hasn't, it hasn't come up specifically, but I would, I definitely would because it's, it's one of those things that the more, the more I try and stand back and look at it objectively, say, for example, in our environment, we talk about surrender a lot. Surrender is a word that gets used a lot, you know, surrender yeah. your life, your gift, your talents to Christ. And then I'm like, well, surely this is one of those things that should also yeah, right. be surrendered. You know, surely that seems at odds. You know, you look at Jesus, he's kind of like, you know, and I, I love that you mentioned this in your in your study of Mark, how Jesus doesn't make these sentimental appeals to the nuclear family. He's essentially like his his family are outside. He's like, okay, well, if you're following me, then you're my family. Yeah. And I can't. I can't it's it's so strange to me. I can't. It's one of these things I can't fathom, especially as an, especially as an outsider. You know, in some ways, it's very easy for me to see it. But as an outsider, we talk about how we're a Christian nation, and how how faith is most important, but then we try and mix it with other things. Yeah, I find it like that. You know, God language. I find a lot of times somebody will say, oh, well, we're one nation under God or we or God save the queen. I mean, come on, it's not just Americans here. God save the queen and God bless America, all that stuff. And I find a lot of Christians, they'll go, look, see, God is in there. And it's almost yeah. like that's the end of the conversation. And I, yeah. I look at them, I'm like, surely bringing in the name of God is the beginning of the conversation. It's like, <laughs> you're not supposed to take God's name in vain. So when you say like one nation under God or god save the queen who are you talking about what are mm -hmm. you talking about could you replace the word jesus christ for that word for example mm -hmm. could you say jesus christ <laughs> save the queen you know that those kind of questions yeah go on i was going to say there's also the element of being a people who honor god with our lips but keep our hearts far from him right exactly and yeah. that's that's something as well because a lot of the things that we do and you know if you if you were to take america for example a lot of the a lot of the most fundamental foundational sins that have been committed on this land have been done in the name of the lord exactly and for so many the fact that god is honored he's given lip service is enough but we don't for whatever reason take the time to really examine what we're doing and the fruit that it produces tell me about justice and worship how do those two things work together it's it's an interesting thing to talk about in this environment because you know not everyone feels the same way about anything because we're so, you know we're so big where there are so many people here in terms of the overarching felt experience that i've had here when you start talking about matters of justice that is seen to be taking away from true spirituality you know that is seen that is seen to be focusing on something that is of lesser importance where we place so much of our hope so much of our attention effort and energy towards getting the soul saved getting them yeah. to, you know, dare I say it, complete the transaction of saying the sinner's prayer and becoming a Christian. Yeah. We often neglect to, I'd say, to, to have care for the individual and where they are. And what Paul talks about, I'm going to misquote it, but, you know, to love yourself is to clothe yourself and to feed yourself and all those things. We say, actually, you know, we want to see them get saved. And then after that, by and large, you're on your own sunshine. God will take care of you. Can you even worship? What happens when you're in a room of people and they're all loudly singing the name of Jesus and there's tears rolling down their cheeks and the hearts are pumping and the, the arms are all raised in unison? We know what that environment is like. Mm -hmm. Can you worship knowing that the people strumming the guitars and saying the words the next day are tweeting, build that wall? 
Black all lives matter. I mean, what, what happens? How do you, what goes through your heart and mind when, when that happens? Cause it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. It, it is, it is one of these things where for me in my approach, say if, say if I'm, say if I'm very, very aware of the, the viewpoints that people have who have authority in that room, in that room, in that moment to lead things that yeah. are vastly different than my own. You know, I have had to navigate through disappointment that I have had to navigate through, have had to figure out how to hold my heart in a way so that it, it wouldn't become bitter or angry. But I do try, I do try my best. I do, I, I'd say I'm doing well. <laughs> I do yeah. try my best not to let those things stop me from finding God in the moment myself. Because I do, I, I try to have an awareness of the fact that even if there are people doing things with the wrong heart, even if there are people, even if, Everything is just a show for everyone else. And that, that's not me talking specifically about Bethel right now, but there are so many environments where this could be true. Even uh -huh. if everything, everyone is doing things for the wrong motive. Yeah. I think that God is still there to be found. God is still there to be worshipped. It's one of these things where I'll essentially say like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to worship you, Lord. You know, I'm going to okay. hold my heart before you. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to turn my heart towards you and let you do whatever it is that you see fit to do in this moment. Yeah. But it is, there is, there is, there is a struggle. And that, that doesn't mean that holding that posture doesn't mean that I start thinking, well, okay, well actually let's just get everyone around the fire and sing Kumbaya and everything's going to be fine because are there things that need to be confronted? Yes. Are there hard uh, conversations that need to be had? Yes. Are there idols that need to be torn down? Yes. But in the moment, I try not to let all of that stuff distract from from my own what you know my from my own Christ walk. I guess you have to choose who you allow to speak into your life as well. Like you almost have like circles of of access, don't you? Like <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, and to to speak more to that, I realized I realized very early on when, for example, when Trump rolled down the golden escalator and he made those comments about Mexicans. Yeah. And in my head, I thought there is no way that he is going to win. And I also thought there's no way that the church is going to get behind him. Of course, I was wrong on both counts. I realized what I had to do for my own for my own sanity was to essentially turn the volume down on some voices when they spoke about some things. Right. You know, and the way that the way that I think about it is that imagine that you've got a friend who is in incredibly good physical shape. You know, everything is toned, everything, you know, like, five percent body fat in really really good shape but this friend stop, of yours stop it stop it you're making me laugh <laughs> i mean i was hoping it would I, I was hoping it wouldn't be too obvious i was talking about you so imagine <laughs> someone with your physique Stephen. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time A body for podcasting yeah exactly <laughs> but but at the same time they are in mountains and mountains and mountains of credit card debt because they are right. impatient impulsive all this stuff you right. know if this, if this friend says to me Hey, actually, here's what you should do when you're trying to do push-ups or pull-ups or whatever. I'm going to listen. But if they start talking to me about how to how I should spend my paycheck, it's going to be like, well, I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry, bro. I've seen your life in in that regard. You have no, I've I've turned you down in that aspect. And so there's there's because there are there are still so many things for me to learn. There are still so many things that I can glean from this environment. There are still so many things that this environment does really really well. But in some issues with some people, and for my own safety, and so that I don't become someone who's full of who harbors bitterness towards them, 
I've had to say, okay, in this area, you are turned down. Tweet what you like, Instagram post what you like, you know, I'm going to unfollow you and I'm not going to allow you to upset me because you're turned down. I guess why I find that the analogy breaks down with the bodybuilder who's bad at spending money is that, you know, in the book of Amos, for example, it's like, I hate your worship. You know, <laughs> I hate your singing. Or or you think what Jesus is saying, like the goats go, hey, when did we, we say we did all these things in your name and we spoke really loudly in unison and we healed the sick and we did signs and wonders. And he goes, I don't know who you are. You uh -huh. didn't you didn't do social justice. You didn't care for the poor. You didn't visit those in prison. You didn't give a cup of cold water, right? Uh, I like, I like, by the way, how you're you're quoting the very same verses I used in my own podcast. That was a nice oh, right. move. <laughs> Listen, mate, you don't own Amos. You're not allowed to. You don't have copyright. Last time I looked, it was a three thousand year old ancient uh, Jewish sheep herders text. We're all allowed to have it. Uh, but, you know, I just, it's like, this is where it slightly breaks down for me. It's like, how mm -hmm. do I, you know, because it's such a specific contradiction that yes. gets meant, it is specifically and pointedly, repeatedly brought up in the Bible. Yes. And by Jesus. Yes. That loud worship accompanied by signs and wonders that does not also have the, the, the cause of the lost and the oppressed and the poor in mind is is ashes in my mouth kind of thing. Yeah. And this is where I find it hard to participate. I think that's, I think that's very valid. I think that's, um, you know, and I, I appreciate the pushback. I think for me, you know, someone is asking. Pushback. I'm genuinely asking. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. I mean, but it, yeah, but it's yeah. like, it, it is, it is pushback. And I think that it's needed as best as I can do. I can speak about my own journey. And even yesterday, another, a student was asking me about this, like, how do I navigate this environment? How do I navigate this? How do I, you know, because they were like, I don't just want to have to educate everyone every single day. Right. And I don't want to, I don't want to be in survival mode when I'm here. What it came down to for, for me was that I was like, well, I know that I know that I know I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. For me, the thought of leaving, as much as there are things I disagree with, as much as there are things I found difficult, the thought of leaving gives me no peace. You know, it was it was it was my peace. It was following my peace that led me to to come to first year in the first place. It was following my peace that led me to stay here for second and third year. It was following my peace that led me to you know, and following my peace has never ever let me down. So for me as an individual, as Galibia Monarca here on the second of July, twenty twenty, I know for a fact that I'm supposed to be here. That is what that is why. I can when I'm in the midst of a worship service where it feel, where it can sometimes feel as though justice is downtrodden and downplayed. I can I can I can say, okay, God, I know I'm supposed to be here, and there's something for me in this moment, at this time, in this exact situation. So let me get hold of that. If you don't feel like you're supposed to be here, then I can understand why everything can feel like ashes in your mouth. But I'm I'm talking, you know, in many ways very individualistically about myself because I know that I'm supposed to be here. And for me, it feels like to leave would be to be in rebellion. Even if I did go to the perfect church that honors both equally, I, it, would, it wouldn't be a peaceful move for me. Yeah, it's an interesting mix, isn't it? Individual, well, this is what they say, you know, faith is personal. It's never private, but it is always personal. And so you, you are making a choice. You are, make, you are owning something of God's call on your life for yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not just identifying solely with the group you're in. 
Yeah. And and you don't do that with Bethel any more than you'd do it if you went to some, you know, right on woke <laughs> lefty church. You would have the same issue of like over identifying with the group as opposed to the the personal call on your life, right? Yeah. And I think I think maybe the difference between you and I is that if we you know, if we were to talk about Amos, if we were to talk about Matthew seven and Matthew twenty five, like you brought up. We both view those texts exactly the same way, or like broadly speaking, the same way. It just might be that for you, because of where you are in your personal walk, those texts would preclude you from feeling as though you could participate in the Bethel worship service or whatever. But for me, you know, I view those texts the same way. But at the same time, because of where I feel like the Lord's led me to this moment, even if I wish there was a, a much greater emphasis on these works of justice, I feel like I feel like God has me here. So there's something here for me to get. Even if it's not if it's not everything I'd like to get, there is something for me to get, which is why which is why I stay. If that makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. Galibe, I'm gonna ask you two things before we wind down. The first thing I'm gonna ask you is please can you state very clearly to the audience how they can find your audio series, your podcast. And the second thing I'm gonna ask is for you to uh, to bless us, to pray. So, yeah, you can find my podcast on iTunes, on Apple iTunes or on Podbean of Saints and Sorrow. Yes, I would I'd love to I would love to pray. I'd love to bless this uh this wonderful conversation. I'm going to I'm going to bless the listener who's who might have been struggling and is dealing with offense. So, yeah, dear listener, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the crucified and resurrected one. I pray that you would feel the peace of God, that the peace that surpasses all understanding would surround you and envelop you. That even in the midst of life circumstances, life situations of other people's actions that make no sense, that that peace, that that shelter in the storm would be what illuminates your heart, what softens your heart towards the purpose of God in your life. That it would be what guides you, what propels you. That it would help you to find joy, that it would help you to to squeeze the life out of every single moment that you be in, that your heart would be softened towards the Lord, that you would be turned towards him internally, that you would encounter his glory and be transformed into to a great, by a greater degree to that very same image of glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Gulube. You're a prince among men. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. We will talk again soon. Amen. To further support the show, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media and learn more about Tenth Theology at www.tenththeology.com. Thank you for joining us and God bless everyone.